looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, October 3. Pass the Post, of course, each Sunday, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. And don't forget to check their website, archerparkracing.com.au. These two-year-olds, they're ready to go. The names are up, so... Have a look at the website, see what you can find there. Ben Dorries is joining me. Sweet and sour this morning. It's your birthday, but you're not well, and you're not with me this morning. Yeah, no, we've been uh, battling a little bit the last uh, four or five days, David, but I'm probably 20% uh, better today, which is good news. And uh, I, you know, I've had a lovely little morning with my, my family and my kids, uh, giving me a few little birthday presents, so that's uh, cheered up the mood considerably. Great to hear. I hope you have a great day. I hope you do feel better. So, But be with us for the next hour or so. But before we get stuck into things, we're right in the midst of these spring carnivals. You've got some important news, and it's, it's news that doesn't or won't come as a surprise, I think, to many people. Yeah, look, um, sad news. Uh, Rothfire, the mighty uh, Queensland Group 1 winner, uh, who we all love, is out of the Everest. Uh, he obviously ran well uh, below par yesterday in the premiere, uh, dropped out noticeably. Now, there's been an issue found um, overnight. It's not a major issue. It's a, you know, a bit of soreness in one of his joints. It's uh, Rob Heathcote who uh, rang me to deliver this news probably half an hour ago now. Um, you know, it's not it's not grave like it was last year. It's only a small issue, uh, but it's certainly enough to rule him out of the Everest. So Rothfire uh, is on his way back to Queensland. We'll know more, I, I guess, about his prognosis in the next few days. Um, but the good news is it doesn't sound particularly serious. The bad news is it is really heartbreaking. The second year in a row, mm. he's had an Everest slot, and the second year in a row, he hasn't been able to take it. So um, the consequence of that is James Kennedy... We'll be looking for a new Everest horse. And Tim Clark, who was riding Rothfire in the Everest and, of course, rode him yesterday, has now jumped on board Wild Ruler in the Everest. So, look, uh, things happen very quickly in racing, but very sad news. And I must say, I really feel for Rob Heathcote and the entire Rothfire camp this morning. Yeah, 100%. And my thoughts, or our thoughts, are with uh, Rob and the team because, uh, as you said, how extraordinary that two years in a row such a terrible situation would, would eventuate. I suppose just on James Kennedy, he's got a bit of quick thinking to do, hasn't he? Because it's not like we're two months away, we're two weeks away. Well, absolutely. And, oh, look, there's been some contenders that have sort of half put their hands up, I suppose, in the last few weeks. But um, I've got to say Everest horses probably aren't dropping out of trees uh, no. two weeks out. So it'll be interesting to see which way he goes. You would expect a decision um, sooner rather than later from James Kennedy. It's hard to actually pinpoint a highlight from yesterday because there were so many and they all vie for top billing. But we'll sort through them, we'll go through them and we'll cover everything off from, from Royal Randwick, from Flemington and then later in the program. We'll touch on the meeting at Dooman yesterday where they had a really good crowd. But firstly, let's go to Royal Randwick and let's go to one of three Group 1s. This is the time-honoured Epsom, the Tab Epsom Handicap. Around the turn, Ashman in front from the favourite Riadini, then Harmony Rose. A tissue locked up from discharge. Dallas Ann's pulling out together with Lions Roar. Arameo's looking for room. Mawunga's getting to the outside with Hungry Heart and Private Eye, the deepest. McDonald takes Dallas Ann to the front. Arameo's got the run now. Arameo went to the front. Here's Private Eye right down the outside. Arameo, Dallas Ann and Private Eye. Private Eye swapping them. Regan Bayless punches it out and Private Eye won the from either Arameo or Dallasan. Then came Cascadian from Mawunga Rock. A tissue next from Lions Roar. Hungry Hard Ice Bath and Skylab Discharge from Reloaded. Then came Ashman, Ashman Harmony Rose. And what a big day for Regan Bayless winning the Group 1 double. It certainly was. Of course, he partnered never been kissed at big odds, but not unnoticed at big odds, to win the flight... Uh, and then, of course, uh, backing up to win the the Epsom on Private Eye. And a horse that, Ben, we know well here. Uh, of course, we saw him win the Queensland Guineas. But he's got a great strike rate. I think he's always been an understated horse. After the Epsom yesterday, he's now a Group 1 winner. Eight wins from 13 starts. Joe Pride, of course, is a regular with us here on Past the Post. We're just trying to contact Reagan at the moment because we want to have a chat with him about yesterday. Probably one of his biggest days in racing, but... Private eye, no, no excuse for any other runner. He gave them a long start and gave them a beating. 
Yeah, gee whiz, this horse has got an explosive finish, which we obviously saw in um, Queensland. I, I must admit I love when the, uh, the Queensland winner carnival form uh, stick, uh, stacks up like this. It was just a tremendous win. Uh, really cool ride, you know, right from the rear, obviously. And what a moment for Joe Pride, who was watching from his lounge room at home. He said he stood up and cheered and cheered and cheered. Now, that cheer for Joe Pride is going to be nothing like the cheer that emanates uh, from his lounge room if South Sydney win the yeah. NRL Grand Final tonight. Because as we know, he's a mad South Sydney supporter. And on tipping, he would have had a big double uh, with Private Eye going to South Sydney. So it uh, could be rivers of gold in Joe Pride's lounge room if the South Sydney Rabbitohs happen to get up tonight. And the the big dance is not entirely over for uh, Private Eye because, of course, he goes to the Golden Eagle and he's been a significant mover in the market, $15 down to 7 understandably so, because he's an Epsom winner now and uh, he, he won it uh, most impressively. Um, the, the thing I like about this too with Private Eye, and you just touched on it before, when our Winter Carnival concluded, our fingers were crossed here in Queensland particularly, whether it be enthusiasts or administrators, we wanted to see that carnival form franked in the spring, whether it be in Sydney or Melbourne. It is delivering in spades. It's a good result for the state. Well, it's been franked just about everywhere, hasn't it? I mean, every um, every Saturday, just about anywhere you look, there's been a graduate from the Queensland Winter Carnival win somewhere at a at a sort of you know group two, group three, or group one level. So, look, it's been a, a terrific springboard, hasn't it, for those um, for those spring horses. And, um, yeah, look, gee whiz, with that sort of finish, I mean, um, he, that horse would be absolutely right in contention for, for a Golden Eagle, which shapes as a really hot race uh, with some of the really good horses going there. It was a typically run Epsom, big field, hard gallop. They went out in, I think, around 58 seconds and they stopped the clock at 133.7. So, uh, in fairness and on balance, the tempo was right for him. He likes to settle back out the back of the bus, make his own uh, uh, move when he needs to. But that, that strong pace relished well. Um, as far as the beaten division was concerned, Arameo has kept running well. Dallas Sam, they elected to go to the Epsom. Nearly came off. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Dallas Sam's trained in Adelaide by Leon McDonald and Andrew Lewis. It does it, the bulk of its racing in the big races in Melbourne and in Adelaide. But it seems to, I think it goes better this way around in either Sydney or, or, or in Sydney because it ran well on the Doncaster, ran well on the Queen Elizabeth and ran a, ran a bottler yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And Cascadian ran fourth doing Cascadian things. Moonga, I thought, was a really good run. Um, carrying top weight, um, you know, was wide, didn't have much luck. Uh, was only beaten a length and a half. So that was, um, that was a really nice pipe opener, I guess, for either a, a Golden Eagle, which I think is the number one goal, or potentially even a Cox Plate. Um, a tissue ran well, um, you know, as well for Chris Waller. Um, look, it wasn't, I suppose it was a blanket finish. I mean, there was no taking away from the winner, Private Eye, but there was quite a few good runs in the race, I thought. Well, we can't get hold of Reagan Bayless, but uh, I'm glad we're getting hold of Joe Pryor because he's always, uh, uh, well, we're always appreciative of his time and he's always very receptive with his time. Joe, good morning. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, good morning, guys. Now, Ben Dorries just was saying before you came on air, do you have a double going with Private Eye to South Sydney tonight? <laughs> no. No, they, 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 the tab caught up an offer, actually. It was a, but it was a place for Private Eye. I thought they were underrating him there, undervaluing him there. So, um, But, look, it was, a, it was a good result yesterday, and no doubt I'll, uh, I'll be uh, having a few bets on tonight's game. So. What was your thinking during the race, Joe? Like, obviously, he was a long way back, like he always is. Had to make up a stack of ground, didn't he? I mean, was your heart in your mouth a bit? Did you think he could do it? Did you, did you think he left it too late? Take us through your emotions during the run. Yeah, he's a bit of a hard watch, Private Eye, because he's got he's got a terrible racing pattern, um, and, and he is he is hard to um, uh, get a guide on him in the run. And you sort of you, you, you know when you've got this horse to race up on speed, you can sort of you, get, you can use the clock to sort of know how well you. You're going, but um, yeah, with him it's a bit harder. But look, I, he went into the race absolutely just spot on. I mean, you see by his performance here, so he tells you that. But I was really happy with him. I thought I'd give him the, the perfect preparation to have him peak. So um, I was pretty pretty calm watching it. As I said, he'd had the right prep. They went fast. It all panned out for him. And sure enough, um, you know, when he gets in a winning position, he, he just puts them away, that horse. He's, his record tells you that he's a winner. Joe, I, I don't know how things pan out. You know who, what horses get the hype, what horses don't get the hype, and we've actually discussed this. I think we've discussed this with with Private Eye, but we've certainly discussed it with Eduardo. I don't know what it is about your stable, but these outstanding gallopers you've got, bordering on on almost champion status, like Private Eye, 
He's got this great record, but he's always been an understated horse, hasn't he? Yeah, he has actually, and, and he's often very soft in the betting. Um, but um, what do you put that down to? I, I, yeah, he, he, look, I, you know, a, a lot of the, the prices now are dictated to, dictated by, um, by the bigger, the bigger punters, the, the, and they don't like horses that race off the speed like him. Mm. Um, for, for obvious reasons, you know, they tend not to win as often, but this horse, uh, he defies that. Joe, we're a bit biased up here in Queensland, but we always think the um, Winter Carnival is a, is a great uh, springboard for, for a lot of horses, young horses, older horses. Um, this guy obviously had one run only up here in Queensland, won the Queensland Guineas, but did that did that trip away up here, a bit of sun on his back in the winter, did you, do you think it really did him the world of good for his spring campaign? Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and more importantly than just a trip away, the spelling, the spelling up there as well. He had um, he had a nice, uh, nice little break at Kalura Lodge after he was um, after he raced, and that really helped him. Eduardo did the same, and one I can't wait to come back is Stockman. He won that Sunshine Coast Cup, and he had a break up there as well. Come back in good order, that horse. With uh, with Private Eye, you've said in the past he, he's a horse who can actually thrive on racing. You've you've backed him up on the seven days before the Golden Eagle is now a month away. Do you go to the Golden Eagle without another run? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's got that, that base of fitness you know, mm. behind him now. So, um, you know, I wouldn't want to do that early in the horse's prep, you know, go from a first up to a second up run or something like that. But because he's got that base of fitness, I think he'd be fine just to go um, uh, the month between runs. There'll be a trial in there for sure because he'll need to do something. He's a, mm. He's got some... Um, he's got a toughness about him. And those sort of horses, you need to keep, keep the work up to them, so... He's seven dollars in the Golden Eagle. I'm thunderstruck. We saw him run that bottler in the the Sir Rupert Clark at Caulfield. He's the favourite at four fifty. Moanga, who you raced yesterday and you beat home, is at five dollars. I don't think Moanga would have lost a lot of admirers because he was exposed on a strong speed and he's only been beaten about a length and a half or so. So they're they're worthy rivals, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be an interesting race. They'll get a capacity field, no doubt. And uh, my bloke's sort of you know suited wet or dry. Um, should be a high pressure race, which is again a, a, a real tick from from my guy. He he loves those high pressure races, and um, I can't wait to get there. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. What about Eduardo? Take us through. Just before you do, tell us about Eduardo's progress, how he's going day by day. I, re- I thought of you yesterday when Mask Crusader burst through because I remember when we spoke, I said, "Who's the horse you fear most?" You said Mask Crusader, even after it was beaten that day in the short. So. That was no surprise for you yesterday. See him darting through there and winning the race. Yeah, not at all. No, he, he's um, he's definitely the horse to beat. Um, and um, I do, <coughs> on a negative for him, that way he, he dwells out of the gates every time would be a concern. Um, I'm not sure if you can afford to do that in a in an Everest. And um, yeah, he's got a bit of an awkward racing pattern as well. But he's a very strong finisher, and he'll enjoy a high pressure race like the Everest. Just before you go. Um there's a lot of new races with big prize money. It's, it's, it's a great incentive for, for owners, new or, or established owners and trainers. But I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sort of probably putting words in your mouth, but to win an Epsom as a Sydney trainer, I think uh, a traditional feature is, is, is as a, probably a, a really, you know, really up there at the top of the tree. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The race I really want to win is the Cox Plate. And, and, and uh, you know, that, again, that's not because of prize money. It's because uh, of the status of the race, and um, the, my my pride and joy, my two Doncaster trophies, um, and now I've got an Epsom trophy to put there with them. And their their races just growing up from Sydney, they're the ones you just you dream of uh, you dream of being involved with. As I said, always appreciate your time, and particularly this morning at short notice. You enjoy the day. Thanks, guys. Joe Pride joining us this morning, the winning Epsom trainer of Private Eye. Well, Reagan Bayless, of course partnered Private Eye to victory, but he was already in uh, the Group 1 zone about 45 minutes earlier. Let's have a listen to the flight stakes. Swift Witness preparing for home. The run home leads by a length on four moves ahead as the pace really quickens here. Then never being kissed from stray Latino blend. Mallory uh, not going well. Back towards the inside. Hinged and Chiller making some ground. It's Swift Witness at the 200. Two lengths clear from never being kissed. Who's producing a very good finish. Never being kissed. Lays it down to Swift Witness. Start Toto's late and hinged along the rails. But never being kissed in front from hinged and never being kissed. Pucker.
Hooker's up for the photo and the flight stakes. What at a half length of the fast finishing hinged. Start on A's third. Followed then by Chill and Swift Witness. Left reeling late from Love Me Tender. Then Stray. Four moves ahead. Pulled up short from Mallory. A gap back to She's All Class. Latino Blend and Von Trapp was last home. Well, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott uh, have been enjoying a fantastic run during the Spring Carnival, and there they were again to the fore yesterday. Group 1 victory, never been kissed, and not unnoticed in the betting either, Ben. 71 down to 41, but it reinforces a point I think you made, and we've probably been discussing over the past few weeks with these three-year-old fillies. There's never been a standout, and that, that was as clear as, uh, as clear as crystal yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And look, this... Um yeah, another dimension to this race was the rain started tumbling down, didn't it, just as the horses sort of moved into the yard. Um, so, look, I didn't know which way to, to turn having a bet in this race. Naturally, I got it wrong, as most uh, punters did. But, look, uh, no taking away at all from the winner. But I thought um, the runs of the second and third place horses were terrific as well. Hinged, uh, the, <clears throat> the former Queenslander, uh, once trained by Michael Nolan, who's now with, with Chris Waller, uh, you know, really went within an inch of winning a Group 1. That was a terrific run. And Star Tontes, I thought, was huge uh, <clears throat> as well. I mean, there was question marks, even from Rob Heathcote himself, on whether she would get a strong 1,600 metres. Uh, she certainly did. I doubt you'll see her at 1,600 metres again. But that's certainly, I think, the flight stakes put a bit of pep back into Rob Heathcote's step after Rothfire's flop uh, a race earlier. And obviously... A massive result for Regan Bayless. I'd suggest it was probably the best uh, 40 minutes of his life. Uh, you know, firstly winning on Never Been Kissed and then winning um, 40 minutes later on Private Eye. Of course, in 2017, 2018, he won three Group 1s, all on the one horse, on Red Kirk Warrior. But, look, has been up and down, um, moved to Hong Kong. Didn't really eventuate for him over there, but I think he became mentally stronger, certainly matured and rides better as a, as a result of that stint. And uh, he's certainly back with a bang in Sydney. Yeah, exactly right. And of course, the Bayless name, the Bayless family, so well known here in South East Queensland of the Ipswich area. And uh, I'm sure that the, the entire family, the extended family, would be delighted today. Just on that flight stakes, uh, whilst the winner was at big odds, Again, from a, from a time point of view, they ran 133.7 in the Epsom. They ran 134.04 in the flight. So they were just behind the Epsom. So for three-year-old fillies, they've, they've I think, batted well above their their um, um, line here and never been kissed. Uh, you'd think that might be the grand final, but knowing Gay Waterhouse, I wouldn't be surprised if this horse pops up in Melbourne, maybe in a 1,000 <laughs> guineas. It wouldn't surprise me, put it that way. But uh, yeah. Yesterday. Absolutely, and, and and you don't see. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't reckon you see many Gay Waterhouse winners at forty to one, do you? I mean, generally, uh, a Gay Waterhouse Adrian Bolt winner is is somewhere in the market, isn't it? So I mean, perhaps that's why punters avoided uh, this horse. They saw forty to one Gay Waterhouse. Nah, -uh, we'll, we'll try something else here. But yeah, no taking away from the winner. But yeah, as you say, um, maybe we we haven't given these uh, fillies quite as much credit as they deserve because it was a good time and it was a terrific race. I thought. She was down the line in the T-Rose, never been kissed, but she had a wide run that day. But uh, she raced by the Chittick family. I'm pretty sure that was the, the, the family that raced Glamour Puss. They're the same colours, I think, the white and blue and green striped sleeves. But that was the flight stakes. And uh, Star Tottenham, they've been paying those late entry fees, but they, they got almost 75000 there yesterday. So that'll top the, uh, the, the, the balance up again for, for the team with Star Tottenham. She's done a fantastic job. Uh, in rather unorthodox circumstances, uh, was never really being considered for a Golden Rose or a flight stake. She's ended up in both, and she really acquitted herself well. Let's go to the last of the uh, the Group 1s yesterday at Royal Randwick. This is another time on a race, the Metropolitan. They come up the rise now. It's Hush Rider, Spirit Ridge and Entente. Now Monophilia, no compromise, balancing up again with Great House. She's Ideals the deepest. It's Entente and Monophilia. Monophilia put the head in front from Entente. Monophilia from Entente. Monophilia. Entente. Bob of the head's going down to the wire and it's desperately close in the Metropolitan. Nothing between Monophilia and Entente. Really could go either way there. A good gap back to uh, in uh, third position I think Harpo marks and they were followed in by Zay Rec from Lunsi's Charm Star no compromise she's ideal great house from I thought uh, Montefilia's trainer David Payne uh, delivered a great gesture post race when he shared in the in the win by by you know sort of sharing in the excitement with Hugh Bowman because it was Hugh Bowman's 100th group one winner and 
David's joining us now. David, congratulations on yesterday. Thank you very much. Is that Dave or Ben? It's David here and Ben will be on the line in, in oh, just a moment. Yes. But uh, Thank you. Look, this, this mayor, I remember we were discussing her last year. Uh, she won the flight and then she won the spring champion. Uh, she, she, she went to all the, the, the big games. She went to the Oaks in Melbourne, the Oaks in Sydney, the Derby as well. And yep. probably the jury was, was out on her from some people saying, you know, does she get a strong 2,400 metres? Well, I tell you what, as a four-year-old, she gets it all right, doesn't she? Yeah, if you look at that, she was three wide the whole trip. People don't realise that. So she covered a lot of ground. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But, you know, if you, in retrospect, if you look at those races, there's, the Oaks in, uh, in Flemington, she was too handy, and they went flat out the whole way. Mm. And then the Derby and the other Oaks, they were muddling races. They really, there was no speed on. So, yeah, that didn't really suit her. She's not a filly that can sit and sprint. Dave, she did it the uh, did it the tough way three wide most of the way yesterday. It was a fabulous win. Just going into that race, I mean, she, as David pointed out, she'd been running against the A graders the whole way through, but she hadn't won in almost a year. Did, was there any little concern there? I mean, sometimes horses lose that winning feeling. Maybe was was that any concern, or were you always just uh, no, thought she no, was look, ticking we, along nicely? Then uh, we targeted the race, and I mean, if you look at the lead-up races, they were perfect. You know, she last start when she ran second to She's Ideal. The track was biased. She had to come down the outside. Plus, she gave that filly, I think, four kilos or three and a half kilos. And, uh, I, I mean, it was a great run. So she, she was spot on for Saturday. But when the draw came out, I must say I was quite deflated. I thought, gee, she's going to be tough for her. You know, with 55 and a half to 17. Did you think it won in the photo? I thought so, but then you start uh, doubting. (laughs) (laughs) What what about you? You talked about the barrier yesterday, and you you were spot on when you said that that she was caught three wide. But watching the race back in replay this morning, even though she was three wide, she was always travelling well, wasn't she? She looked to be travelling well. Yeah, she was always, and uh, you know, even when I when I looked at it coming around about eight hundred, I could see he was still cruising, Huey. And I was just worried about her getting an un- uninterrupted run because she builds up. And uh, no, no, he wrote it perfectly. So is, it worked is out. It, yeah. Sorry, David. Is it uh, <clears throat> all uh, guns ablaze now for the for the Caulfield Cup? Is that confirmed? I see, obviously, she hasn't raced at Caulfield before. Um, do, you, do you think um, that is a nice race for her? And is that what you, that, that you're going to be think, doing? Yeah, I think for the owners, we've got to do it. You know, I'll... Unfortunately, I won't be able to go down with this COVID, but I'll send it to Leon and Troy Corstens. They got, I mean, Leon's worked for Bart for years, so I think he's in very good hands, and I'll leave it to them. Well, I suppose the the logical next question is, we go to the Caulfield Cup, do we take the next step and go to the, the big one in November? Why not? You can't go one thing. Yeah, you know, well, we'll give it a bash. Why She's not? got three, three group ones behind her, and... Uh, you know, might not get another chance, the owners as well. So yeah. I think we, unless things go bad in the Caulfield Cup, we will definitely box on. I think this is a classic case of a horse who was a very, very good three-year-old filly and with a spell, with, with uh, more developing and more maturity, she's developed into a, a woman now uh, and uh, one of the best in Australia. You know, Dave, if you looked at her as a young horse, that that was always going to be the case. The older... She was filled out. She, you know, she was just a, a as a baby, light filly, very light framed, and a lot of maturing still to come. You know, she had no hand quarter. If you look at her now, now she's a mature filly, a mare. Yep. We'll let you go now. Congratulations. Hope there's more success coming up over these next uh, really crucial uh, few weeks. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. David Payne, the trainer of Montefiore, and she has developed now into one of Australia's best mares, Ben. Yes, and I think uh, only a couple of weeks earlier on this very show, I half potted her. So, how well am I going? I, I just, forgot that. <laughs> yeah, I'm Best glad you didn't bring. I'm glad you didn't bring it up when we were talking to David. So, um, yeah, shows how well well I'm going in life. Look, she, in fairness, she'd been um, as I uh, asked, you know, David, she'd been 
uh, racing the absolute A graders the whole way through. My, I suppose, my only concern is I do reckon sometimes horses just do forget how to win a little bit. But as David rightly pointed out, there've been uh, excuses, reasons, bias, uh, all sorts of things. So look, uh, that 2,400 metre box has certainly been ticked. Uh, Caulfield Cup, though, will be no easy feat, will obviously, with incentivised. Now, the hot favourite after what mm. we saw in Melbourne yesterday. Speaking of prices, yes, incentivised $2.30 will come to him later in the program, but Montefilia came down $4 from 17 to 13 Good day for the Magic Millions team, too. I didn't mention about Private Eye. He was only a $65,000 purchase at the Adelaide Magic Millions sale, and this girl, she was 130 k at the Gold Coast sale, so Magic Millions got plenty to spruik about after yesterday's uh, victories um, or racing around Australia. Well, as we said yesterday, the Premier Stakes was the last stop off before the Everest in two weeks' time. Mask Crusader was the favourite. He was stone motherless last in the run. Rothfire hasn't been able to cross Adelong as yet, so Clark just sits up here on Rothfire, just trying to give him the easiest possible time. Adelong's punching through, lost and running a, a little bit deeper out in third, followed by Jonker, then came Embracer, stand out, I am Superman, and now Mars Crusader starting to tack on as they turn for home and in racing in the middle of the track at the moment. It's Adelong in front from Rothfire. Adelong, Rothfire, stand out up the fence, then came Lost and Running, further back to Embracer, I am Superman to the outside. Now Mars Crusader's being ridden up but there's nowhere to go on Mars Crusader. He has to duck and weave. I think he's found a gap now. Stand out, went to the front. Mars Crusader's charging through the centre. Mars Crusader from last. A miraculous get out of jail. Mars Crusader beats stand out. Embracer third, then lost and running. I am Superman. Further back to Jonker. Rothfire knocked up together with Adelong. This is the sort of horse that gives racing the excitement it needs. Uh, he's a, a back marker, but he produces that brilliant finish. He gets the, the race caller excited. The people are on their toes. He's often the favourite, so he's popular with punters. And he's one damn good horse. Wade Hawks, good morning. Good morning, David. I was just thinking as you uh, played that, uh, and I'm not saying this because you're a race caller, but it's so important that the race callers actually get it right too, isn't it? Because the theatre that, uh, that they put into the race just actually helps give you the goosebumps. There's there's no doubt about that. He was eight lengths off them at the 800, six lengths off them at the 600 metres. That probably doesn't concern you unduly because we know that he can put in this dynamic finish, but nothing uh, can stop nothing can stop bad luck. And, and there was it, it looked as though it could have been a tricky situation in the straight. Well, it was a tricky situation. Uh, I'd rather be black caviar where you jump and lead or you jump a box seat. It makes it... Uh, would Black Caviar have won 26 out of 26 if their racing pattern was that way? And the answer is, we all know what the answer is. It, it wouldn't be. So you, you'd much prefer to have a horse that jumps and <clears throat> excuse me, jumps and goes forward because when you're back there, it's always at some stage. You, um, if you're the trainer, you're going, oh, here we go again, or it's too, it's not going to work. And if you're the punter, you just you you, you throw your ticket away two or three times until. Uh, until halfway up the straight, so it's not it's not ideal where you want to be. And to be totally honest, they were the B grade yesterday, and we know that. And, that, and that's nothing against the opposition, but there was no nature stripping horses like that in the race. And when you, you you can get away with it against the lesser lights, but you won't get away with it when you've got a horse like Nature Strip that just jumps, rolls along, leads, box seats, and. And you know, and and he quickens up as quick as we do. Where you just can't beat those uh, those top class horses. So I'd like him to be a little bit more positive when he comes out the gates, and just to give him a bit more of a dig than just sitting on him. Because you're always giving away one hell of a start. And I think I might have said it to you on this program not long ago. You can't believe you've literally fallen out of Chautauqua and fallen in, into uh, into this place. <laughs> Hey, Wayne, I thought the aftermath of the shorts was fascinating. You obviously got beaten five or so lengths in the shorts and some people weren't quite sure what to make of the run. But I spoke to trainers Everest, uh, trainers who had uh, horses in the Everest like uh, Joe Pride and Rob Heathcote and, and these sort of guys were saying, no, 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 Mars Crusade is still the one we have to beat in the Everest. Did, what did you make of the shorts and, and, and all the commentary afterwards? Well, the track was terrible. Simple as that. <laughs> the track was absolutely well. It was simple as that. That's, that 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 was what the biggest problem was. The track was terrible, and he was back there getting mud, you know, thrown back in his face and splattered and everything like that. And that's where he ran. You know, I'm. I've said it once. I say it a hundred times. I mean, he's 
what Peter Volandis has done for Sydney Racing is quite amazing and certainly made Melbourne and Melbourne and Brisbane uh, have to lift because they do. But one thing that he's not doing is he's not putting the money into the racetracks and we need to uh, we need to put the money into these tracks because lots of times the Sydney carnivals are run on wet tracks. So we need a we need a Flemington type of track at Ramwick. That's what we need. So long and the short, the shorts that was what what it was, and it ended up a ended up a you know a a barrier trial uh, so to speak. I want to drill down on something you just said before, and and you intimated you want to see him a bit closer if he can be. He probably needs to be to win an Everest. How is he actually jumping out of the barriers? Yeah, it's a $64,000 question, isn't it? So, w Pike rides him and he flies out at Mooney Valley. In Sydney, you can't have uh, you can't have jockeys riding the horses in the trials at the moment because of all the COVID restrictions. And when his uh, track rider slash uh, barrier trial jockey rides her, when she rides him in the trials, he flies out, but Every jockey that seems to ride him, they just don't, he just doesn't come out the gates. I don't know why, except for Pike, because it's there. It's there. It's there in black and white. He, he did jump better, but I think Tommy just needs to be a little bit more vigorous for the first uh, three or four strides out the gates. And you, as, you, you can't just keep giving these horses these big starts. And as I said, the B grade as you can. It was like at first up at Caulfield. You're getting away with it because you're not being the great horses. But when you're up against the the A, the absolute A graders, as I said, they'll they'll run the same time as what you will off the front. Well, you just can't beat them. So Tommy's needs to he needs to do a bit of work there and get him out the gates a bit cleaner and uh, just have him a little bit closer because gee whiz, I mean he must have been three and four lengths off the second last horse there at one stage and that's when I thought as a trainer, bloody hell, here we go. He's gonna get beat again and uh and you know, we're just lucky enough to uh, to get away with it. But he had to ride for luck because if he goes out and around him, well he probably he does get beat, doesn't he? You, you close your eyes as you rightly point out and, and you think you are watching and then you open them, you think you are watching Chautauqua. How far is Mars Crusader off Chautauqua in terms of ability? Ah uh, no, there's only there's only one Chautauqua. There's uh, he was uh, he was certainly something special. I mean, this horse is a very very good horse. We we've all seen what he's done and where he's been unlucky. And you're you're always going to be unlucky in big races because of the way that he races. But you know, he should have won the TJ. He should have won the All Aged. And if he had done both those jobs, he'd be would have been favourite for the Everest. And remember what I'm saying. He should have won the TJ. Well, who won that? That was Nature Strip. So. He's every bit as good as, as those horses, but Chautauqua, to be fair and honest, he's another level again. He was, you know, he's one of the absolute, absolute elites. This horse is a seriously good, uh, you know, multiple group one winner, but no, 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 I'd back uh, Chautauqua every day and twice on Sundays as long as he jumped out the gates. We're getting close now, only two weeks away. We've talked sufficiently mm. about, about your horse, Mars Crusader. We know what we what we see is what we get with Nature Strip. What we see is what we get with Eduardo. I think the fascinating angle to this race at the moment, and I'm interested in your thoughts, is Classic Legend yet to be seen under race conditions, and will now go into the the Everest first up. How do you assess Classic Legend in terms of your horse? Look, he's a very he's a very very good horse. There, there's 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 no doubt about that. And, he has a good pattern. He gets up on the pace and he races there. And you know, he, there's there's no buts and maybes about him. And I remember the day Dirty Work was favourite against him. And after the race, Les Bridge said, "Dirty who?" And he said, "Ah, oh, they all don't listen to me. I told you he's the best horse I've ever had. And good on him because uh, you know it's it, it, it doesn't get to you, but every now and then it does. When you know people are not potting you, but you know, so Classic Legends a very very good horse. Um, he raced here. He went to quarantine straight away to Werribee. He had two or three weeks there. They really didn't gallop him much because obviously Werribee last year there were lots of issues at Werribee and horses were going to miss, so they were very keen not to gallop him much. He went to Hong Kong, and I mean it was you know it was was never going to be an easy thing to do what he did, and he obviously didn't settle in and acclimatise there in Hong Kong, so. He's back home now. Twelve months ago, he's probably the one to beat. But twelve months later, 
you don't come back and you don't get better. And he's done a lot of miles and he's been to a lot of places. So that that's not easy in itself. And then running first up will be seriously hard to do. It's I remember someone, uh, I think, I, I, don't, I don't know whether it was Joe Pride's horse in the new market that ran first up, Terra Vista. And someone said there'd been David Hayes had what David Hayes won the race I think a couple of years before with the ex Hong Kong horse, and it had been 132 years since another horse had won the new market first up. So first up in these big races are they're not impossible, but they almost are. So I don't know what their thoughts are for not wanting to run him yesterday, or but you know I think it's more uh, you know bad luck and slowness out the gates that's going to uh, that's going to worry us than the opposition because. When he raced at Mooney Valley that night, he had that barnstorming finish like he did yesterday and burst in between the horses. He was actually a lot, lot closer. Pikey was actually probably three back the fence by memory and could have been even closer. So it's only because he's slow out the gates that he ends up back where he gets. So if he could jump out so much more cleaner, he'd do it so much easier and he'd just win so many more races. Just before you go down your way, Melbourne way, Mount Popper in the in the terminal. Did he overdo it a bit outside of incentivise? Uh, he overdid the lot. Yeah, I yeah. thought so. There's, there's no uh, <clears throat> no buts and maybe's there. So he uh, yeah he certainly over uh, overdid it and he punctured. And I think that just shows the quality of incentivise that you know we've we've attacked him and annoyed him the whole way and uh, we've fallen a heap and incentivise still won. If he had an easier running transit incentivise, he would have won much, much easier. So he's the real deal. He's a very, very good horse. I didn't know what to take of very elegant yesterday. I wasn't quite sure how how it uh, how it how it ran. To be honest, I was a bit not, not quite not quite sure. But yeah, we was disappointing what uh, what happened to uh, to Popper. But anyway, that's racing and that's how it is. I, I just I agree. I, I thought he overdid it, but. Also, he seemed to drop out a lot earlier than, than I expected. I was just wondering if there was any physical issue with him. Oh, he, did, he did have some blood down his trachea, and that would be in the stewards' report. But um, the biggest problem with that is, to be honest, is it's all right to scope the horses after they race, but if you're not doing it all the time, you don't ever have um, you know a level playing field from knowing because... He wasn't scoped at his previous start, so you wouldn't know whether there's always... And for the people that don't know, most horses will have a little tiny internal bleed, just a bit of strain and a bit of stress. So was that a normal thing from our popper or was that abnormal? I don't know because you don't... <clears throat> you don't and you're not, uh, you're not scoping them all the time because he ran, he ran down the track and the stewards vetted him and there was some... Uh, there was some blood down there, so we just got to decide what we do, whether we, uh, whether we push on or... Whether we uh, pull up stumps and go to the paddock, I don't know whether you could win a Caulfield Cup on uh, on a performance like that. So mm. we've got a bit of thinking to do. He, he, to be to be honest, he licked a bin last night, which is generally how it doesn't work. Because normally when they have hard runs, they normally go home and don't don't eat up. But he actually did, so that was that was surprisingly good to be uh, to be honest. Master of Wine was solid in the Bart Cummings. He ran fantastic. To be fair to my brother. I'd been a bit, mm-hmm, and Michael had said, no, no, he just wants a mile and a half. He's desperate for the mile and a half. So the 2,500 at, uh, at Flemington yesterday, he ran super. He, he got held up a little bit. He should have run a, a gutsy second, and he ran third. So he's uh, he's really wanting the two miles. And if you go through and look at what's going to be in the Melbourne Cup this year, this is going back to when I was a kid. These are going to be these sorts of horses. Uh, no disrespect to Brew and horses like that that won Melbourne Cups. It's going to be one of these years this year where it won't be... Uh, I would think it's not going to be a superstar that's going to win. It's just going to be a good old-fashioned two-mile staying horse. So he certainly, uh, he certainly uh, got his chance, but obviously has to qualify and... Uh, and get in, and you know, to be fair, we've always raced him against the best horses, and he ran in the Maccabi Diva and the Turnbull last year, and was running right behind Very Elegant. So we know he's got the ability, but he—it's the first time I reckon in 12 months I've really seen him attack the line. And as I just said, Michael said he was screaming for the mile and a half, and um, I'm glad he got it right, and I'm glad because we were we were going to leave him in Sydney for the Metro, and we did, we changed tact and brought him down here. And uh, he pinged off the float, and he's bouncing around this morning. So he's in a good headspace, uh, 
master of wine and look at it that you think he'd uh, eat up the uh, the two miles so uh, it's four and a half weeks away we just got to work out which way we uh, we try and get to the cup but uh, we're quietly uh, quietly excited and as everyone knows we don't get too up and about us we like to let the horses do the talking but we were pretty happy with his performance yesterday all good we'll catch up one day one day when this is all over we'll catch up one day just tell your just tell your premier just to open the gates, mate. That's all you got to do. You got pulled with her. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> all right, talk to you later. See you guys. Good on you, mate. Wayne Hawks joining us. Uh, he, ben, he makes a good point. Uh, this is the issue with. I'm glad he addressed this issue. This is the issue with Mars Crusader. It is the the jumping away at the barriers. Yeah, look, I think uh, to be honest, if he does jump in the Everest and gets a fair and reasonable track, he's the one I want on top. But I tell you what, you couldn't sort of have your last, you know, hundred dollars on him, could you? Because you're just your heart's in your mouth. It's a bit like sort of, you know, backing a footy side that you know is probably the best side, but just has a very slow first quarter and is down by sort of five goals at quarter time or something. You know, can they come back? Your heart's just always in your mouth, isn't it? Exactly. All right, one more replay from Rambick, then we'll go to a break. This is the Group Two Hill Stakes. Shared Ambition approaching the 600 metres and the Yulong Hill Stakes leads by a half length. Dewis gets going early. Moving up on the outside now, I think it over. Then Cepheus, Cucaracha bottled up a bit from K.I. Natik and Carif is last of a bunching field. Coming around the turn and Shared Ambition slides. Races a length and a half in front of Think It Over. Dewis is under the pump. Shared Ambition leads by a length now on Think It Over and Nash starts to get to work on the short price favourite. It's Shared Ambition a half length on Think It Over. Kion Atik running on on the outside as Think It Over moves up now to Shared Ambition. Think It Over and Shared Ambition. Think It Over's got the head in front. It's a hard slog, but he'll just win it. Just Think It Over, a half head to uh, Shared Ambition. I think Sifi is third in front of Kion Atik. Then came uh, further back Kukaracha from Dewis and Carif. If you're a Think It Over fan, don't be too disappointed by that narrow margin because it was going to be always tough for him. Shared Ambition, dead said walked in front. And it was a sprint home at the end of 2,000 metres. They're running sub-34. So he had not only had to stay the 2,000 metres, but sprint as well. And he did that with distinction. Nashra Willa riding him, of course, Kerry Parker, the trainer. Lots of highlights there. We've covered them all off at Royal... Re- in fact, no, we haven't covered them all off. There's just one other thing I want to mention, Ben. Cool and Gatter in the gym crack. Absolutely brilliant on debut. Oh, wow, we What a win. This was something very, very special. I think it was $17 for the Golden Slipper before this race. Now it's 6 or $7. Very, very fast time. Very, very special filly. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, look, we're still a long way out from a Golden Slipper, um, and there's still a lot to go, a lot of water to go under, bri- under the bridge. But <clears throat> if, if this filly stays right, I, I mean, if she's not one of the top seeds or very top seed for a golden slipper. I'll give it away. This looks something right out of the box to me. Yeah, exposed three wide, no cover. And uh, 50, the time you mentioned, 56.78. Just go back 12 months ago. A horse called Enthar, trained by the same team, Mar and Eustace, won the same race under the same track conditions and ran 57.06. So 56.78 is pretty special. The other comparison to draw is on the day in the Breeders. They ran 57.99, which was... Just over a second slower, so it speaks volumes for Cool and Gatter. Another Magic Millions graduate, 280k. What about Ben, listeners? He doesn't like when I talk about the times too much. He said, I mean, he, he, he's never said a word to me in studio, or but he says I wish he'd shut up about the bloody times. <laughs> oh, I don't even, I don't even have a clock in my house to be honest. <laughs> well, speaking of time, we're running behind time, but we've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Just on Archer Park Racing, I want to uh, mention Heroic Valor, who's the sire of Heroic Son, who won the first race at Doomin yesterday. We'll come to Doomin later on in the program, but great to see Heroic Valor strike pay dirt uh, as a freshman sire. He stands at Basil Nolan's Raheen Stud, very modestly priced as well. Of course, he's a fast-head rock, had a great record in New Zealand, and Heroic Son has done well for Heroic Valor. But on Heroic Valor, uh, Archer Park have a filly available for sale. Two-year-old filly, she's named Starry Lass. Let's hope she is Starry. Trained by a very good young trainer in Tom Button. So go to the website there, archerparkracing.com.au, and you can see Starry Lass up on the board. You can buy into her. She's by Heroic Valor, who was the sire of Heroic Son. 
Back to Flemington. And most importantly so, the Group 1 Turnbull Stakes, very elegant the favourite, but a very close second favourite was incentivised. Coming up towards the turn at the 650, it's Mount Popper incentivised the fence and Sir Dragon A three deep. Very elegant about to peel four deep. And then came Persan, a gap to Young Verditure, Parter Explosive, Jack and Johnny get angry, races on now. 400 to go, incentivised, kicks on the inside under the whip and Sir Dragon A together. Very elegant joining in and Young Verta is almost making a line of four. Incentivised kicks at the 250 from Young Verta. Very elegant has to find Japata run on incentivized finds though at the 100 meters three quarters young verda incentivized getting tired young verda coming at it but incentivized is finding and incentivized has won a new group one star has won it from young verda chapada photo fourth very elegant or explosive jack from sir dragon a persan a gap mount popper johnny get angry was last well, as we outlined with Wayne Hawkes before, and he wasn't, uh, didn't mind admitting it, uh, incentivised, was pestered uphill and down Dale by Mount Popper, who dropped off at the turn, and it was left uh, to incentivise to stave off any challenge that came in the straight. It didn't come from Very Elegant, which we were expecting to. It came from Young Verda, who, who ran bravely, but it was incentivised running 2-1.46, winning the Turnbull Stakes. Trying to try to have a catch up with Steve Tregay. He's there now. Good to hear. Steve, good morning. How are you? Got Steve there. He'll be there shortly. Ben, um, incentivised, doing everything that we we wanted to see him do yesterday. Oh, I think everything we wanted to see Sorry, and more, David. Yeah, just Ben, I'll just put you on hold there. Steve's there now. Steve, sorry about that. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you, David? I was going to say, um, in your understated way, I'm, I'm going to try and speak like Steve Tregay when I say about <laughs> yesterday. When I say about yesterday, everything seems to be going okay. Yeah, everything's going probably better than okay now. <laughs> I think it is too. I was I was just talking to Ben about um, how Mount Popper was up outside of incentivise. From a punter's point of view, there's one thing punters hate is if you're on a leader and you have a horse on your outside shading you and is about a half length in front of you. And this happened all the way around yesterday, but oh, gee, he was he was brave in the straight, wasn't he? Which, you know, we're expecting him to do these things now. Yeah, I think it depends how the inside horse is coping with Having a horse outside him, I, I quite like it when the outside horse is half length in front, but the inside horse doesn't let him cross um, because he's just held the rail and, um, and he's making the outside horse do the work. But I suppose it's a question of how how the horse relaxes on the inside as well. Steve, if there were any doubters left in the world about incentivise, I think they're looking for somewhere to hide after yesterday. That was just a magnificent win. I described him in something I, I, I wrote as tough as a $10 pub steak. Do you reckon that's an apt description? Yes, it is now, but he hasn't always been that way. He's been a bit of a bit of a baby in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, but he certainly finished into, uh, in that last preparation up here, he finished into, you know, a pretty, pretty strong individual. And he doesn't overly look like one when you see him in the yard, even amongst some of the big strong colts or even some of the other bigger horses. Um, he's certainly tall enough, but, you know, he's nicknamed Splinter and that's what he looks like. Exactly right. Well, there's not much more we can really talk about with incentive in terms of a, a race point of view. I just want to concentrate on you for the moment. You you sold um, or you kept a share, a controlling share in this horse. Uh, you were the first to admit the pressure came off you when you relinquished the trainer, training to Peter Moody. And I suppose you thought when... When incentivise went out the door, well, what will be will be, and that's that's the case. It'll either be good or bad or in between. But after yesterday, do you actually sit there and say, well, he's now won two Group Ones in a row? Yeah, I don't think I don't think you look back much. You you make the decisions as as you go along, and um, just live with the with the uh, result, whether it be good or bad. Mm. Um, it's obviously a lot easier to live with when uh, when you have a good result. So. Um, you know, you, you don't look back. You just you just move on. Oh, well, that, that's actually what I was driving at. I'm saying you're sitting there now saying, well, this is all unfolding and I don't have to do a hell of a lot anymore. No, well, that's the bit I like, as yeah. I keep saying. And I don't have to <laughs> worry about being, you know, worrying about the roast day pressure and the interviews and that sort of thing. I just um, enjoy it from an owner's point of view. With that pressure uh, right off you, run us through the race day or race experience for you, Steve. Do you just... 
sit back at home and, and have a cold one and watch it on telly? Or, or what, what do you do sort of on, on when incentivised races? Oh, no, it's pretty much a normal day for me because we've got mares foaling and, and jobs to do at the farm. So I just uh, I just go about the normal day and make sure I've got time to watch the race. But luckily, I had a bit of time before the race yesterday. So there was a bit of bit of build-up watching the race. I was mainly interested in how the track was going to play, whether it was going to be you know, uh, wetter than a six or drier than a six. Um, but it, it worked out well for us. Did you have a chat to Peter Moody last night or this morning? Oh, uh, yeah, Peter, Peter rang this last night and he sent a, an email, like his owner updates that he sends this morning, say the horse has pulled up well and left a little bit of feed, but that's not unusual you know, when a horse has had a hard run like that. But he's pulled up well and sound, and, um, yeah, he's just, um, yeah, very uh, very excited about it. He's, he's really proud of it. So it's Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup. There's no entertaining any idea at all of running in the Cox Plate? Well, it hasn't been because Peter is of the view that, and I pretty much agree with him, that, that he's he's better as we know he runs the distance and he's going to travel probably more strongly in a um, in a Caulfield Cup and as the races get longer, that's what he did up here. Mm. Um, so in those two Group 1 wins that he's had, he hasn't really been... I suppose ideally placed. It's just that there's been not much speed in those races, and he was able to lead. But um, to me, he was only travelling just on the bridle. Uh, he did he did uh, mid race yesterday start to travel a bit, but he's fairly one pace once he gets into that groove. Um, but in the longer races where they're going a bit slower, and I think Brett said yesterday in the post race interview that um, they were just going half a second faster than he would have liked. Mm. So that, that what I saw must must have been borne out by what he said. Um, but in his races up here, when the races were longer, uh, he travelled more strongly as the races got longer because obviously they're not going as fast. So, but the interesting thing about him is he he kicked even better off a uh, an average speed and 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 after travelling strongly in the slower run races, well, both the races weren't ideally in that way, but he was still able to win them. So, you know, it's probably a bit, um, yeah, it's exciting what, what what he might be able to do if he's able to travel strongly in the first three quarters of a longer race. Yeah, the, the, the manner in which he races, the way he builds on the speed, uh, comparisons to Might and Power, I don't think, go far astray. Yeah, I don't know about that. I remember Might and Power. He used to, you know, get out and highball it, didn't he? And, uh, yeah, I think this is a slightly different sort of horse, but he's certainly got the same sort of racing pattern, hasn't he? Thanks for your time this morning. It's uh, it's always great to talk, and uh, hope the uh, hope the roller coaster ride continues. Yeah, thanks very much, David. Ben, good on you, Steve. Steve Tregay, the managing part owner of Incentivise, and, and Ben, really, there isn't much more to say, is there? He's he's going well. He's two dollars thirty favourite for the Caulfield Cup, and he looks the most likely winner. Yeah, well, two things I'd like to say. One is all these Melbourne narcs who doubted this horse when he went down there can stick it right up there, Kyber. Uh, I, I love it. Well, I got so many messages when this horse went to Melbourne. Ah, oh, here's another Queenslander coming down. We'll just clean up. Uh-uh, this guy's the real deal. And secondly, I think we have to touch on Very Elegant. Uh, this was billed as a real mm. match race. Uh, it was certainly not a match race. Oh, I think this was... Very elegant's worst performance probably since the 2019 Cox Plate. Uh, I've been in touch with Brace Okolsky, uh, who's in the ownership of Incentivise as well, but also very elegant. And he said very elegant's run uh, was a real head scratcher. So, look, nothing obviously wrong, um, but they just, yeah, just scratching their heads a bit. So, look, um, yeah, just be, uh, you can never count out a champion, can you, David? Very elegant is that. Nine, nine group one wins to her credit, but. Uh, she's going to be an interesting watch from here on in because that wasn't the very elegant that we know yesterday. No, I think the the race shape as we saw it with Mount Popper pestering incentivised and there was very elegant. She wasn't at the back of the bus or she wasn't wide or she wasn't hemmed away. She was travelling one off with cover. You couldn't have wished for a better position. I think her back is coming to the turn when Damien Lane just eased out to, to make his move. Thought, well, here we go, but here we didn't go because... She just flatlined and, and just battled to the line. And, and, and I tend to agree with you. It was a, a below-par performance. And the jockey was of the same sentiment when he was uh, questioned post-race. That's Damien uh, Lane. Let's go to some more replays at Flemington. Uh, Grand Promenade goes to the Melbourne Cup after winning the Bart Cummings. Let's have a listen.
Pondus at the 500 metres. Look to have a kick from Knight's Order. Grand Promenade into the clear. Trelero's the outer. Then a maid, Salino. And back behind them, Shiraz. Pondus at the 300, joined by Grand Promenade. Grand Promenade up to Pondus. And they're toe-to-toe with Grand Promenade, putting a length up on Pondus. Three lengths, Trelero. Salino, Master of Wine. Grand Promenade with 150 metres to go. Can it see it through? Led two lengths, Pondus. Trelero's Master of Wine. Grand Promenade. It's getting weary, but it's going to be here on the big Tuesday. Grand Promenade, one a length and a quarter. Trelero's kept coming and Master of Wine, third from Salino, Realm of Flowers. Pondus got weary. Then came the good fight and mosh music, further back Miami bound. Then Dawn Patrol, Knight's Order, Shiraz, Maid, Long Arm, Port Guillaume, and Sweet Thomas was last all the way. Wayne Hawks was talking about Master of Wine and he's saying this will be the, the year for the Master of Wines. Well, this you know, it's potentially the year for the Grand Promenades as well. Highly consistent horse, well-trained, into the Melbourne Cup now and uh, will run two miles, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, uh, Kieran Murray and Dave Eustace are going to have a heavy hand or a big hand in this year's Melbourne Cup. I mean, obviously, Grand Promenade now moves, I think, to first or equal first in the order of entry with his win. And they've also got uh, Sir Dragon A, Gold Trip and Explosive Jack uh, right up high in the Melbourne Cup order of entry, and no doubt probably another one or two they're, they're trying to qualify as well. So they're going to have a really strong hand, uh, that training team going into the Melbourne Cup. I think you sound better as the program has gone on. I think you're improving all the time. <clears throat> well, I just I haven't asked as many questions of our guests as I normally have. You've sort of mollycoddled me through. You've, you've uh, shown great care, David, so I've, I've, I've made it. Are we there yet? No, not far to go. I'm going to give you. I am going to give you an early mark because we, we, I'll do doom and by myself. I want you to spend more time with the, with the the wife and the kids for your birthday. But it sounds like you were never sick at all. Are you sure you haven't been sick? Yeah, I can tell you, I haven't been, been well. But I am. Sure. I am 25 percent better today. Look, everyone out there, I hope you uh, have a great night watching the NRL Grand Final tonight. It should be a ripper. We haven't finished with Flemington yet. Let's go to the oh, Gill guy. Okay. Oh yeah, no, let's go to the Gill guy. I'm hanging around. Group two. Here's a win that sometimes uh, would have uh, surprised a few. Kevin Tarrant. As they reach the 450, it's Kemal Passer has controlled it so far from Splintex. A length and a half away, Volpine Zutori away game. And then came Bonza Broad and Kemantari waited with 250 out. Kemal Passer grabbed by Splintex over on the far side. Zutori and Kemantari from last is running on. It's going to be a great finish again at the 100 metres. It's Kemal Passer, Zutori and Kemantari with Splintex. Four of them. Kemantari just in front. Kemantari has just won it from Zutori. Kemal passes Splintex in a great drive to the line. A gap in the field then to Bonza Broad, Ruby Street. Volpine second last. Away game at the end of the field. Ollie has roared Kemantari over the line to win the Gilgai. Yes, you could hear it in the replay as well, of course, with no people there yesterday. But Kemantari gets a, a bad knock for, from many. Uh, he hasn't won a race since Ascot of December 2020. But in fairness, in fairness and on balance, he only had a very light uh, autumn early winter campaign. And of course, we saw him up here at Eagle Farm in the Wayne Wilson when he was just beaten. But produced first up. And I, I think as Damien Oliver said post-race, he wasn't totally surprised at all by the win. No, good on him. I couldn't have backed this horse. I've got to say, with stolen money though, David. I mean, he's just one of those horses. But look, I'd encourage everyone who is on social media... Uh, to go and have a look at Bo Dunn's Twitter feed. He took a video of the finishing stages of this race uh, right from the, the side of the track, and with no no crowd there, as you point out, it's live vision uh, and live sound of Ollie absolutely roaring at this horse. It's one of the best bits of vision I've ever seen. So go and have a look at Bo Dunn's Twitter feed. I wonder if he's like one of those tennis players that they scream and yell when they're serving <laughs> yeah. to annoy the opponent. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think some horses would take fright, wouldn't you, if a jockey screamed at them and you exactly. know, wonder what they'd done wrong. But anyway, it worked for Kim and Tari yesterday. couple of uh, black tie races for the girls I want to concentrate on. Let's go to the Rose of Kingston. This is a key lead-up to the Empire Rose. And, in fact, uh, still a star will be going to the Empire Rose. She's the winner. Pride of Jenny comes around the corner at the 500 metres, held together by a length Anavisto. Two lengths ecumenical the inside from Best Stone and then still a star Bonvicini. A lot of these favoured ones are a long way back. Instant Celebrity with six to make up with Mystic Journey. It's Pride of Jenny at the 300 metres with Anavisto chiseling away three quarters of a length off. Best Stone and still a star down the middle of the track and Mystic Journey runs on. Pride of Jenny getting tired. 100 metres to go. Still a star coming out after it. Pride of Jenny 
Still a star drives Mystic Journey. Late they hit it. Still a star, I think. Still a star or Pride of Jenny in a photo from Mystic Journey. And then came Bestone Anavisto. And next to finish in the race was Shake from Toparangi. Then Ecumenical... One for Tassie there. Still a star, of course, for Bill Ryan down at Longford. Uh, his daughter Monica's looking after the operation there in Melbourne. An interesting uh, connection as well that Luke Curry, Ben, is... Uh, or Bill Ryan is Luke Curry's godfather. Yeah, it was a terrific... And you could tell a bit of an emotional uh, result for them and good on them. Uh, it was Tassie 1-3 in this race. Yeah. I tell you what, the third horse, Mystic Journey, really caught my eye. Uh, she was, I reckon she's back with a bang. She's a weapon. I think I read... You're the Times men, David, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere her last 200... Uh, was the fastest of the day at Flemington. I thought it was an absolute bottler of a run. No doubt it would have been because she was passing quite a few there en route to the finish, but uh, still a star goes to the Empire Rose, and if she can win it, there's a million-dollar bonus there. I know I'm flying Magic Millions flag today, but why wouldn't you be? Here's another one. This was purchased out of the Tassie sale, understandably. Guess how much for? $13,000 still a star. Wow. It's That's still a lot of money for just a battling journey like me, you realise. Well, I'm coming to that very shortly. I've got a proposal <laughs> to put to you. But before we do that, let's go to the uh, Edward Manifold. Oh, no, not the Edward Manifold. We're going to race five. This is the Danehill Stakes, the Group 2 down the straight. Onto the course proper at the 550. Lloyd's Crown in front of Kalos. Then Bruckner and Mornington Glory. Next, Gimme Park. General Bow three off the lead down the outside from Ranveer. Ranch Hand with four to pick up over towards the middle of the track and then ingratiating. Kalos at the 250. Led by a length to Mornington Glory. Bruckner, Lloyd's Crown. And then came General Bow. Kalos with 150 metres to go. Led from Bruckner and General Bow. Kalos is darting away. Kalos for Fred Kersley in a boil over won it from General Bo or Bruckner there's a wall of them there for fourth Lloyd's Crown with Gimme Par then Ranch Hand Mornington Glory Ranveer ingratiating Neville Warm then Forbes and Mighty Hercules yes Kalos for Godolphin there successful Fred Kersley riding uh, a good first time at Hawkesbury shipped straight down to Melbourne and got the money yeah, I must admit, David, I, I've got no idea what to make of this race. I mean, ingratiating went like an absolute busted. Ranch Hand, who I actually thought might be a sneaky, um, you know, Everest contender at one point. You know, there were some excuses there with Ranch Hand, um, but didn't really go that much better. I think got beaten four lengths or something. So, look, good luck to the winner. Um, but I'll tell you what, there were some bubbles burst, um, you know, some big-name reputations that sort of went out the window a little bit behind him in this race. Yes, yeah, certainly. Get in the spirit one, the first by Spirit of BMG. Um, he's he and Ben are ready doing so well. This is what the secret I was going to let you in on before you go. I want you to leave on a good note. You've made me a birthday cake. No, there's a Spirit of Boom cult on Archer Park Racing's website. It's out of Fate Rules. The um, the cult's out of Fate Rules. She was the um, dam of Jen Rules who won the Healy Stakes. My inside information, and you know I do get some inside information there, this is one you want to put your money into, the Spirit of really? Boom cult. I want you to have a look at it on the archerparkracing.com.au website. Can you, do, well, can you do that for me at least today? I can have a look at it, David. And, then, and then bring and, um, money in tomorrow. That'll be fine. No problem. And our friends at Archer Park obviously do a, a, a terrific uh, job, and I've got no doubt uh, that cult will have some potential. Whether I can afford to get in it, you know, as I say, I'm just a battling sure. journey. Not a high-flying radio person like you, David. But anyway, we'll do our best. Happy birthday and get better, mate. <laughs> Thanks, David. Cheers. Ben Dorries joining us. Dubin yesterday, we had a good crowd there. Let's go to Tambo's mate winning race eight. In the home straight, though, we bought a zoo, tackled by King Klaus. Space Boy still looking for the runner. La Palmier joining in, and Tambo's mate right down the outside. La Palmier and King Klaus. Tambo's mate is coming with a strong run. King Klaus, he never gives in. He and La Palmier in a duel. Tambo's mate coming. Here comes the line. Photo finish. Photo finish. Tambo's mate the outside. King Klaus the inside. And La Palmier in the centre in a beauty. Then Pizzoni, followed by Intrepidatious, we bought a zoo. Well back was Tavisand, Space Boy, and the Odyssey out towards the tail in 61.41. Tambo's made Ryan Maloney got up by a nose. Tony Gollan elected to run after running in the Wheatwood last Saturday. There was rain forecast. And this is a horse who was a beneficiary of Archer Park. He did a suspensory. He was off the scene for five months. And I've got to give credit to a good bloke here, Matt Henderson. He cared for Tambo's made up at Archer Park with their very modern facilities. 
not only back to the racetrack, but back in winning form. A good performance here yesterday. Congratulations to the Tamblin family. Let's go to the last race on the car. There was an upset here. 36 seconds, the first 600 metres. Glorious Ruby trying to lead all of the way. The heavily backed favourite Enterprise Palmer is sitting up second the outside, a neck behind the leader. Just in third was the QS. Pulled to the outside, a horseshoe, then Manazzi, followed by It's All Talking, Gemalon Bolt. In the straight, though, Glorious Ruby's had a butte run in front of and slipped her momentarily. Enterprise Palmer immediately under pressure. It's gone. Glorious Ruby shot away. 100 left to run from the QS. Then It's All Talk. Enterprise Palm trying to come again. Glorious Glorious Ruby in front. It's all talk is flashing home. Here comes the post. Photo. It's all talk. Drove late and might have knocked off Glorious Ruby. The QS. Then came Manazzi Enterprise Pom. Looked disappointing on face value. Then a Hushu. And last over the line was Gemalon Bolt in 111.77. Yes, it did knock off uh, Glorious Ruby. It's all talk. First up, Steve O'Day, Matt Hoy said training double, riding double to Jaden Lloyd. And congratulations to Mary Lee Trevette in her colours, the pink and blue quarter. She wasn't there yesterday. Well, I didn't see her there, but she would have been tickled pink by the Sebring filly being able to win first up. Our last replay is from Dubin yesterday. Let's have a listen to the seventh race on the card. It's a good gallop early, 34.93. Georgie's Pride going strongly first up. Leads two and a half to say higher. Then Montenegro Man, followed by Ruka. Then came The Face, just lost a length or two. Passed by Zayma, then came Click Bob Lee and Dippers to the outside. Georgie's Pride's running at a strong speed. Say hi is the immediate challenger. Ruka looming to third. Then Zayma, The Face can't win. Say hi went up to Georgie's Pride. Then came Ruka and Zayma. Say hi took the lead. Ruka trying to put in. Say hi though, goes for home, say hi, beat home, Ruka, third Georgie's Pride, fourth Zayemba, then Dipmas, followed by Montenegro Man, the face was a gross disappointment, then Bobley and Click whipped them in, in 110.37. Say hi, was the middle pin of a training treble for Tony Gollan, he also won with Big Bad Bruce and Tambo's mate who we've heard, Taylor Marshall winning rider, and great to see Larry Olsen there yesterday, he bred Say hi, and the former champion jockey, was in the winner's circle enjoying the uh, the spoils. And I think he might have had something on say, hey, because I think Tony did tip it to him at pretty good odds. They were the highlights from racing at Dooman yesterday. And as we mentioned, Heroic Son winning that first race from a freshman sire, Heroic Valor. It's been a big show. Thanks for your company. Always appreciate it. I look forward to being with you tomorrow morning on Press Room. It's a public holiday, but we'll have all of our regular panellists. Plenty of news come out. A lot of news, in fact. A few things I want to discuss tomorrow. Talk to you then. Have a good day. Bye-bye.